Hey guys, and welcome back to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in both the big and small messes of our lives. I'm your host, Jen Jewell, and back co-hosting with me today for episode number 47 is my good friend, Amy Groeschel. Y'all, The Messy Table is a bi-weekly conversation-style podcast, which airs a brand new episode every other Tuesday. And we exist very simply to glorify God and encourage each other as we share these vulnerable pieces of our own stories and His unending faithfulness. We're officially partnered with our church, Life Church, and our sisters' ministry, as well as the brave women who willingly offer their unique perspectives so that we can glean from their learned experience and wisdom. So no matter your background or story or physical location, we're truly honored you're here joining us as we intentionally slow down long enough to listen to remember what matters most. And guys, if you don't already know, we're also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word in Our Pockets for free, available in hundreds of languages wherever we go. So take advantage of one of the greatest perks of living in this technological age. There are all kinds of audio tools, shareable images, a plans with friends feature, and tons of Bible reading plans that can help keep us on track and connected to the timeless, powerful Word of God. If the craziness of life is already wreaking havoc on your New Year's goals as they are on mine, let's not give up. Remember, His mercies are new every single morning, and He gives us the gift of beginning again. All right, well, for a moment, let's think way back to the very beginning. Have you ever imagined the loss and devastation Adam and Eve must have felt as they were removed from their stunning home, the Garden of Eden, after taking matters into their own hands, after ignoring what their Creator had told them, after knowing and experiencing the exquisite beauty of a perfect world, but then seeing it all fall apart? I can only imagine their heartbreak as they looked around and then into each other's eyes, realizing it's not supposed to be this way. Y'all, today's guest has been living out the latest title to her book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. Lisa Turkhurst is joining Amy and I for a chat at the messy table and sharing how she's finding unexpected strength after life has left her shattered. And maybe you can relate. Whether it's a brutal health battle or a broken relationship that's currently in pieces, or maybe an unexpected death. Maybe you too have whispered those words or thought them in the depths of your heart. It's not supposed to be this way. Well, Lisa is a great friend to our church, as well as a best-selling author of many books and a profound sought-after speaker. But today she's joining us simply as a wife, a mom, and a fellow woman and friend who's been in the hard, ugly, overwhelming trenches these past several years. She's taking off the makeup and inviting you to scoot in close. She's an example to us all of how to cling to God for dear life. So wherever you are and whatever you're facing, kick off your shoes, reheat your coffee, and join Amy and I for a chat with Lisa at the messy table. Well, Lisa, we are thrilled to have you. So welcome to the messy table. Thank you. It's such a joy to be with you. Lisa, you're such a gift. You're a gift to my heart, to the family of God, the body of Christ, to Life Church. You are our extended family. 
I just want to honor you before we even launch into the wonderful things you're going to share with us. Um, honor you for your integrity, for fighting the good fight of faith. You are a sister that is so relatable. Your books, we can't put them down because you touch hearts so deeply and then connect us to the Father. So I just want to honor you for that, applaud you, and thank you on behalf of everyone who has been touched by your ministry. Mm -hmm. um, on a personal note, you're just a wonderful friend and sister in Christ. Love knowing you. Thank you so much, Amy. That means the world to me. And I always tell my kids, whenever someone gives you a compliment, you take it and just rub it into your heart. So if you could see me right now, you'd see me just rubbing your sweet words into my heart. I love it. Well, Lisa, some of us follow you and feel like we know you so well. Tell us a little bit about your life, about the things that are highlights to you. Well, thank you so much. Um, I think some of the biggest highlights of my life are obviously my family, my kids, now my three beautiful grandchildren. Um, just the connection that we have is very sacred to me. It's very special. I, I always prayed that when my kids grew up, that they would still love me and art and that they would love each other and that we mm -hmm. would always have a desire to spend time together. And I kept that front and center in the raising of them. And, uh, you know, there was so much I did wrong. I can look hmm. back now and think, wow, hindsight such 2020 when you're parenting. And so I don't want to make it sound idyllic at all, but I will say keeping that desire front and center, mm -hmm. that they would love each other, that, that they would love God and that they would love to spend time together as adults. Um, I just knew that would be my greatest treasure and my greatest legacy. And I'm so thankful we're walking in that. Wow, that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Can we first please talk about the fact that you recently rocked a national news interview you thought was on audio, <laughs> but then lo and behold, it was on video. Yes, that actually happened just a few days ago. Um, I had been doing back-to-back -back interviews, and I saw this one was on Skype, but it's, it's pretty common for me to do a Skype audio interview. Mm -hmm. And I was just totally confused when the producer said, please turn your video on. And so at first I was like, okay, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe they just want to be able to see me as we're doing the interview. It still didn't register until he said, okay, we're live on air in three, oh. two, one. Oh, and it was and, a live oh interview. <laughs> so I pulled my sweater over my t-shirt to hide the fact that I was not wearing certain undergarments. And <laughs> I, I asked my daughter, I was like, slip me some lip gloss really covertly. And so I kind of dipped my head down and put lip gloss on. And then that was it. Live TV. I had not even brushed my hair. And what I yes. didn't put in my Instagram post is I don't even think I'd brushed my teeth. So there you have it. <laughs> wow. Uh, I love it. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm wearing sweats right now and I have no shame about it. <laughs> well, I am too. And, you know, honestly, when it first happened, I thought I could seriously have a meltdown about this or I could just say, you know what, we're just doing real life together and it's fine. And when I posted about it, so many people love the line that I put. It's like, hey, girl, when you show up to your real life with no decorations, just roll with it and I'll love yes. you for it. And I think that really resonated with people. Yes. And again, just another reason that we all love you because you're so honest and you're classy, but you're tactful.
fully honest and real and don't pretend to have it all figured out. But on the flip side, you also refuse to stay stuck in your mess. And you are just constantly modeling what it looks like to trust God and allow Him to conform you into His image. And so thank you for that. And Mm -hmm. then we all know that you have basically been through the ringer these past several years and quite publicly. And so I think it was on Craig's Leadership Podcast. You said, I feel like I've licked the floor of hell and lived to tell about it. So for those who might know little to nothing about this hard road you've been on, or even for your biggest fans, what have you been up against these past several years? Well, I'll put it out in a list just because I know we don't have all afternoon to talk, but I don't want to sound flippant about any of Mm -hmm. this. You know, as I list off these things, each one of them came with its own package of devastation, um, deep, deep grief and many times waking up at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night, so panic-stricken, not wanting this to be my life, but Mm -hmm. coming to the realization over and over and over that this is my life. And Mm -hmm. so as I list these things out, I just want to say to our listeners, even if your circumstances aren't the same, the deep emotional turmoil that happens when we go through hard things, that is the same. That is our common ground here. But my realities were in January of 2016, I found out that something wasn't right in my marriage. I didn't know what it was, but after praying and fasting, the Lord revealed to me that he was about to... um, he was about to reveal something really hard and he wanted to prepare my heart. And the two things that I wrote in my journal that I felt like the Lord was saying to me was, uh, number one, Lisa, trust my timing. And then the second thing I felt like the Lord was saying was love your husband. Hmm. And I vowed to the Lord that day um, without knowing what I was about to come to realize. And I was so thankful that I had that moment to go back to because there were many times where the grief was so heavy and the chaos was so loud. I felt like I couldn't hear the Lord's voice. So I forced myself to travel back to the last time I heard the Lord clearly. And it was when I wrote those words in my journal, trust God's timing and love your husband. In February of 2016, I found out my husband um, was knee deep in some addictions and an affair. And I was shocked beyond what I can even express. Mm. Um, 2016 was a year of extreme highs and extreme lows. The highs were that three of our five kids were getting married. Mm. And then the lows, of course, one of them was just this deep angst and shocking reality that I was walking out with my husband. And um, I chose to keep what I knew was going on. I chose to keep that private because I didn't want my kids walking through and navigating the greatest joy of their life. It mixed with deep heartbreak over some of their dad's choices. And so I told a couple of close friends, a couple of pastoral leaders in my life, but pretty much other than that, I kept it very private. Um, And I thought my husband and I were walking the road of reconciliation. We had some amazing counselors that were helping us. But in uh, late October, I found out that um, Things were not the way that I thought, and we actually were not walking the road of restoration together, and um, it was completely heart-wrenching and horrifying and heartbreaking all over again, Mm. Um, but my husband agreed to grow to treatment, 
at that point. And so it, to me, put this whole situation in a different category. And I realized that he needed to get well Mm -hmm. before I made any big epic decisions and that I wanted to not make any final decisions until I gave him an opportunity to not be knee deep in what I put in the category of in sickness and in health. And, And he definitely was not well at that point. And so I waited and, you know, time can be a beautiful thing, but it can also be a hard thing. Um, And then in early 2017, again, I thought that we were walking toward restoration and reconciliation. And in June of 2017, I found out um, more heartbreaking news. And so it was at that point I posted a blog Mm -hmm. letting the world know um, what I was walking through. A big part of that is because the rumor mill was starting to stir up and I knew I had the choice. Either the rumor mill was going to share what we had been through, been walking through, or Mm -hmm. I was going to have the opportunity to share it and ask for prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where we were in June of 2017. And um, in between those two events in in the middle of 2016, I had my colon twist, and so um, I had to be rushed into emergency surgery, and I spent about 15 days in the intensive care unit. Mm, And that was super scary, right? And that was very, very scary. Mm -hmm. And again, I was walking through complete emotional devastation and physical devastation, and I just thought, certainly, God, I have checked all of the hard boxes. So by the time I was going through um, posting that blog in, in 2017, in in June of 2017. By that time, I felt like certainly I had checked every hard box. There was certainly nothing else devastating that I could go through. Uh, But then in September of 2017, I also found out I had breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So again, I don't list those things off just flippantly. Each Mm -hmm. one of them, like I said, was devastating and hard and chaotic in every way. Mm. Lisa, we... We can feel that in just your words and your your tone, and and I appreciate it so much that it's it, it kind of leaves you speechless because any one of those we can't see how anyone could recover apart from the Lord, apart from Christ, and you're in a place now of you've written about it, you're ministering to others through it. I know there's not an easy nutshell answer, and you have a whole book to tell us, but how are things today since you've walked through this? Um, what What's going on today? Let's see. I'll start with the breast cancer. Um, with the breast cancer, they caught it very early. Mm-hmm. And um, this is what I always like to tell people. We're all living a story, but then there's the story that we tell ourselves. And my breast cancer journey taught me a very powerful lesson because When I got that news on top of all the other hard things I was walking through, I have to say it did shake me and it did make me feel like, okay, is my life just going to continue to be one series of crazy hard things after another, after another? Mm -hmm. And I remember driving home from getting that diagnosis and I remember thinking, um, I get to choose the story I tell. I don't get to choose the the things that are happening to me. Mm-hmm. So the facts of my story, I don't get to choose, but I get to choose the story that I tell. And I've got to make the decision today as I'm driving home before I tell one person, I'm going to choose to tell this story from the vantage point of the faithfulness of God. Mm-hmm. And I ask God, please help me 
know how to tell this story from the vantage point of your faithfulness, because it's not only shaking me, it's going to shake everyone who hears about this next hard thing in Lisa Turker's life, you know. Mm -hmm. But as I was thinking about it, and I love that James chapter one, verses uh, two through four says, consider it pure joy my brothers and my sisters, when you go through trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you can be made mature, complete, not lacking anything. But I love that those first words are consider, like consider where the joy might be. And as I was driving home from getting my cancer diagnosis and I was considering it and I was desiring to tell my story from the vantage point of the faithfulness of God, God reminded me that had my marriage not fallen apart again in June of 2017, I wouldn't have gone on sabbatical. If I wouldn't have gone on sabbatical, I wouldn't have made my mammogram appointment right then. I could have delayed it another year and been just fine because I'd had so many clear mammograms. But because those situations were what they were, I made that appointment. The doctors caught a cancer very early. So my prognosis was really good. I was able to have a double mastectomy. They got clear margins and um, I've been declared cancer free. Mm -hmm. So telling the story from the faithfulness of God was my marriage falling apart in June of 2017, the worst thing that ever happened to me, or was it yet another thing Mm -hmm. that God allowed that he saved my life through? Mm -hmm. So you see, that's what I mean. It's like, as I give updates, I, I just want people to know I'm choosing to tell this story from the faithfulness of God. And we can all make that choice as well. Um, In terms of Art and I, we have been uh, separated for two years. And uh, I know how long two years Mm. is, Uh, you know, two years goes by really quick. If you're living in a celebration season of life, two years goes by really slow when you're waking up to those realities every day. Mm. You know, there are many nights, like I said, I wake up in the middle of the night, I reach across for the comfort of my husband and he's not there. And Mm. that is hard and devastating all over again. But I'm so thankful today, my husband has had such a beautiful change of heart. He is not walking as the villain of this story or as a victim of the things that happened to him that caused a lot of this chaos, um, things that were buried deep inside of him from his childhood Mm. that eventually came out when he was 50 years old. But he's not Mm. walking as the villain or the victim in this situation. Today, he is walking in repentance as a redeemed man of victory. And because of that, we are pursuing reconciliation Um, He has officially asked if I would renew our vows. I've said yes, Mm -hmm. and we're making plans to do that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Man, Lisa, I just, I celebrate that you can even have that perspective. It is such a godlike, beautiful perspective because, as you know, we are all sinners that are dead in our sin Mm -hmm. without Christ. And so, you know, I think often, like you said, we can blame people as the villain or blame them as they're the victim or they're the bad guy or whatnot. But the truth is, we all are in a really bad shape without him. Mm -hmm. And so, and then I think one of the most crucial underlying theological questions that Christians or even skeptics are asking is, if God is good, 
why would he allow this? If God loves me, why didn't he stop me from getting breast cancer or my husband from having an affair? Or, you know, I know some of your other stories or your sister from dying or your dad from leaving. And Mm -hmm. so you've lived through these stories and all of us all over the world in many ways, we've been jolted by that pain and suffering of a world gone wrong, whether it's caused by someone else or maybe it's because of our own poor choices because we've all made those as well. Yet we still see you clinging to God Mm -hmm. in the midst of this excruciating heartbreak. Some would say you've walked through more crap than Mm -hmm. most, right? Mm -hmm. Like just one thing after another. And I know you kind of touched on that this was a choice and it is still a daily choice that you're making to cling to Him, to trust Him, to walk through forgiveness and towards healing. Um, But I would just love to know, how do you keep from harboring any kind of bitterness or almost angry thoughts towards God as far as why did you allow this? I think those are such understandable questions. And certainly I have spent my fair share of moments asking those questions. Why me? Why this? Mm -hmm. Why now? Why God? Right? Right. When God's promises seem doubtful and his lack of intervention hurtful Mm -hmm. and his timing questionable, of course, Mm -hmm. we we ask really hard questions. Um, I remember someone said something to me in the middle of this and they said, Lisa, I think it's because you're in ministry that all of these hard things keep happening and that Satan just wants to take you out. (laughs) And I remember Mm -hmm. them saying that and immediately what came out of my mouth shocked me as much as it shocked them. And I said, well, here's the deal. I know the goodness and the gracious nature of my God Therefore, I believe the story is actually different than that. I believe God saw what I was going to go through in my life. And 20 plus years ago, he made sure I was in ministry. Mm -hmm. So I would be knee deep in all the faith filled preparation (laughs) that was going to be required for me to walk through this. And I I believe that with all of my heart, it came out from a place I didn't even know those words were about to come out of my mouth, Mm -hmm. but it let me see that God had already planted in me preparation from all these years because he's so good. He knew what I was going to go through. You know, again, if we look at that verse, consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops inside of you a perseverance that you're going to need. I think sometimes we just look at that as facing the circumstances we're looking at today. But that verse was very much there 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, five years ago. Mm -hmm. God saw what was coming into my life. And all these years, he's been developing inside of me a perseverance that he knew I would need Mm -hmm. to face the circumstances I was going to face. God didn't cause any of these things to happen. Each of the things that have happened are such evidence that we live in a sin-soaked world, but he did allow them. And I do think that that is where our angst comes from. Our angst comes from, we serve a good God, but we do serve a good God who allows hurt. But the sentence doesn't end there. We serve a good God who allows hurt, but who will eventually use every bit of that hurt for good. Mm -hmm. And so it's a timing situation, you know, like I may not see the good. I may not feel the good today, but because I know that God's good from this is coming, even if it doesn't look the way I want it to look, and it probably won't, Mm -hmm. but I know it's coming. And that to me is the essence of the hope we Mm. have, the different kind of hope we have because we know and love God. Mm. Yes. 
Oh, goodness. This just makes me want to cry because I think every listener can identify with unmet expectations, the disappointments, and all the different forms that they come. But Jesus did say, you will, you will have trouble, Mm -hmm. not you might, but you will have trouble. But I've overcome the world. So take heart because he has overcome the world. That means we are co-heirs in Christ. So we have overcome. We're overcomers of every situation that comes our way. You know, in my own journey of the expectations that I've had for my family, for myself, the, the fears, the what ifs, because some things are not turning out as I've expected. And then the the actual reality and disappointment of the things that actually happen. I'm dealing with those and seeing that I either trust God or I don't. I'm dealing with them and it takes my eyes directly to Jesus to say, you are the miracle. That's what he's revealing to me is we're promised nothing in the Lord owes us nothing in this life as far as everything to turn up rainbows and roses. Mm. But we have been promised Jesus and we have been promised that we'll overcome. And so I'm saying all that to say, you have taken us on this beautiful journey in your newest book that I think is so raw and so um, deeply ministering. Yes, you take us deep into your thoughts and your pains but they take us right to Jesus and right to truth. And I so appreciate you for that. This book is, it's not supposed to be this way. And the subtitle, Finding Unexpected Strength When Disappointments Leave You Shattered. And so the whole book deals with our disappointments and ultimately how we need to take them to the Lord and let him transform our thinking, renew our thinking. And I thought, well, I'm just going to highlight as I read your book and star things that are so great that I'm going to have to share. And there's too much. There was way too much ink going on. I underlined so much and there's so many great quotes, but one that grabbed me so much today as I was reviewing it. You said, uh, God loves me too much to answer my prayers at any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way. This doesn't change the fact that I want all of this to go away. I want happy. I want normal. I want easy. I want to wake up tomorrow with my husband's arms around me as he assures me this has all been a bad dream. That's what I want because that's all I can conceive as a good plan. But then you say, God sees things that I can't see. So can you share a little bit about just your heart regarding that? Well, I wrote those words after I went through the surgery that I described earlier in um, in the summer of 2016, when I kept telling everyone the pain, the emotional pain is so deep that I feel like my insides are twisting up inside of me. Mm. And I just felt like my whole body was just in a mess. And my counselor even kept saying, Lisa, your body will keep the score if you don't learn to process this. Mm. Um, You've got to get all this hurt out and you've got to process it. And I was trying to do that, but there was just so much hurt. Mm -hmm. And uh, I woke up on a Monday morning and the physical pain had gotten so intense that my family rushed me to the emergency room and they admitted me to the hospital, even though they couldn't find out what was wrong with me. They kept running tests and they kept saying every test that we're running has come back that, you know, there's nothing wrong with you, but because you're in pain, we're going to keep you in the hospital. And they kept me in the hospital and kept running tests and everything kept coming back that I was fine Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I was in so much pain. I just, I can't even describe it. They had me on a morphine pump turned up to the highest dose that they could without killing me. And I was still 
um, in, in pain. And then Friday morning, a surgeon came into my room and he said, Lisa, I ran one last test and we finally figured out what's happening to you. And, um, we have to rush you into emergency surgery right now. And then right before he walked out to go to the OR to prep it for my surgery, he said, I know you've been asking God to take away the pain, Lisa, but had God answered that prayer, you would have gone home and you would have died. Mm. And suddenly I had a different view of God. You know, I had this feeling while I was laying there in so much pain, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Are you just being remote? Are you being unkind? Are you being uncaring? But then that Friday morning when the surgeon said that, suddenly I realized it probably took every bit of God's holy restraint to keep him from answering my cries for help Mm. in the way and in the timing that I wanted. And it was after that that I penned those words, you know, thank God he didn't answer my prayer and take away my pain in my timing or in my way, or I wouldn't be alive today. And that's when I wrote what you just read, Amy. God loves us too much to answer our prayers in any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way. Wow. You know, I recently read an article about, I think it was a young girl who couldn't feel pain. So you think that sounds awesome, right? Like, that's great. We would love to not feel pain. But instead, her parents were constantly worried about her touching a hot oven or stepping on a nail or really anything. If you think about it, if you can't feel pain, then you don't know that you could be bleeding to death. We feel that tension, though, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to feel pain, yet God has somehow allowed pain to be helpful, to point us back to what's right, to what's wrong in the world to know what's right in the world and that he's the only one that can fix it. And so one thing that you wrote probably years and years and years ago, but I always remember, Lisa, this is something that comes back to me a lot and that I say to myself a lot is that feelings are indicators, not dictators. Mm -hmm. So we feel this real serious pain and especially our, our feelings can be overwhelming when we're going through something that's just so huge, like what you've been walking through. And so I would just love to know, and I'm sure all of our listeners would, what are some things that you have to continuously preach to yourself to override your feelings? Well, one thing is if you if you think about when you're driving down the road and the check engine light comes on mm-hmm. um, on your car, I think a lot of us instantly our brains go, well, that's really annoying. I mean, obviously, there's nothing wrong with my car. So we would be so tempted to ignore it or drive it to the mechanic and say, can you turn that flashing <laughs> warning light off because yeah. it's just bugging me. And obviously, my car is running just fine. But if he's a good mechanic, he'll say, actually, we need to figure out what's wrong with your car. Otherwise, you're going to have a breakdown. And that's the way pain is in our life. You know, we may be clicking right along and we're able to manage the pain or numb the pain. But the reality is pain is actually a gift to us because pain indicates to us that something needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And we have two choices in that moment. We can numb the pain or ignore the pain. And then instead of a breakthrough, we're going to be headed to a breakdown. Mm -hmm. And really, we're always headed in one of those two directions in our life. You know, when something hard happens, we're either going to have a breakdown or we're going to have a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And for me, pain actually became a catalyst that pushed me to the point where if I feel the pain, I have to deal with the pain. And if I deal with the pain, then I have a much greater chance of letting God heal the pain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so pain is, like you said, I don't want it to dictate my life, but I do want to 
Let it be an indication that something needs to be addressed. And so I don't want to over-spiritualize all of this either, though. You know, I want to say to whoever's listening who is in the midst of pain, um, boy, do I wish I was sitting right beside you on your couch holding your hand Mm. and I wouldn't have simple platitudes to lay on top of your hurt. I would probably just weep with you. Like the Bible says, weep with Mm -hmm. those who weep, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and in those moments, I would understand something so profound, you know, when, when God's people are hurting, God deeply, deeply cares and his activity, while it may not fix your circumstance in the immediate realm, he is working. Make no mistake. Mm -hmm. God is not silent and he is not absent. He is Mm -hmm. arranging things in the spiritual realm. And I know you wish that God would listen to your suggestions of how to fix your situation. Mm -hmm. Boy, did I have a whole list of those things when I would pray to God and I would ask him to fix my marriage. Boy, I had all kinds of plans of what God could do, what God could say, who he could bring into our lives. You know, I mean, I had so many suggestions Mm. and you know what? God did eventually heal my marriage and, and I'm so thankful for that, but he never, ever followed one of my suggestions. Mm. Not one of my scripts of how things should go ever came to be, but God did it in his way and in his timing. And so I guess at the end of the day, when someone's going through pain, this is what I would say. You're never going to be able to explain why this is happening. And honestly, if God wanted us to have that knowledge, he would give it to us. Obviously, it's too heavy and too hard, and we wouldn't choose it if he allowed us to see it, right? So God doesn't want to be explained away. God wants to be invited in. So Mm -hmm. just invite God in with the simplest childlike prayer. Mm -hmm. Just say, God. I don't like this. And honestly, this is the prayer that I would pray waking up in the middle of the night, my tear-soaked pillow, and just saying, this is it. This is what I would do. Jesus, I love you, and you love me. I don't understand this. I don't like this. But Jesus, I love you, and you love me. And that's the only thing I can keep saying to myself over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the simplicity. Yes. You guys have to get this book. (laughs) It's not supposed to be this way. This book, you will tear through it with so much ink. You'll need several pens. But um, Lisa shares, our pain and suffering isn't to hurt us. It's to save us, to save us from a life where we are self-reliant, self-satisfied, self-absorbed, and set up for the greatest pain of all, which is separation from God. I'm, I'm thankful for those words. I could yes and amen those all day long because, you know, suffering, nobody wants to choose it. But, man, we, we forget how desperate we are, how needy we are until we do suffer, until we do go through pain. Mm-hmm. And um, I thank you that you have invited us into your journey mm-hmm. and helping us to, to invite God in. If those listening haven't invited the Lord truly into their darkest and deepest hurts and pains, I pray these words from Lisa will allow you to to be free to just take that step and um, mm-hmm. invite the Lord to every dark and scary, deep, sad place. So, mm-hmm. so Lisa, I know that you're still figuring this whole road out, mm-hmm. but I would love to just speak into the lives of several friends of mine and others out there who have experienced betrayal in their family. And maybe they're trying to walk their kids through, they're trying to walk themselves through, but also their family through grace and forgiveness. What tips or words of encouragement could you maybe offer to them? 
First of all, I would say I think it's really important that we acknowledge the difference between redemption and reconciliation. Mm. Um, Reconciliation is dependent on the other person to start making choices in line with um, forgiveness and repentance and restoration and all of that. And so reconciliation, sometimes people feel like when they've been betrayed, that the only way they'll ever see redemption in their story is for reconciliation to happen. And I'm thankful that right now it seems as if Art and I are definitely going to be reconciled. But I learned in the middle of this journey when I did not think that that was the case, that God's redemption is possible for me without any other choices, Mm -hmm. other person's choices involved. Mm -hmm. Redemption is between me and the Lord, and I can choose it. It's mine for the choosing. And Mm -hmm. so even if someone is walking through a situation where reconciliation is not possible, just know that redemption with God, for God to redeem your life, redeem your story, redeem all of your heartbreak, that is possible even if the other person never comes around. So I think that's really important to understand. Um, How did we as a family pursue grace and forgiveness and not bitterness, you know, it's been messy and unpredictable and hard. And um, I feared, I really feared what this would do to my children. Mm -hmm. And I asked God very specifically for God to help show me what to do for my kids in the middle of all of this, because we have such a close-knit family. I thought this would be the absolute destruction of the legacy that we'd worked so hard to create with our beautiful children. But I will tell you, somehow God has used this in the most extraordinary ways. And we all have bumps and bruises and we all had to go through therapy. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, we all had to have many, many meetings with counselors and, you know, Christian influencers and, and all of that. But I will say somehow God has woven into each of my kids' lives a different kind of understanding of grace. And um, I can't explain it. And I wish I had amazing tips of do this, do this, and do this. I, I don't. Mm. All I can say is I knelt before God and I asked for this gift and he gave it to me. And my kids are doing okay now. And mm. somehow They have forgiven their father. And I think one of the biggest keys of that is for me making the choice. It takes just as much energy to be bitter as it does to let God make this a story of beauty. And before I even knew how the story was going to turn out, um, I kept casting that vision to my kids that we don't have to be bitter. Bitter is a choice. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not like the the end all be all of this equation. It's a. It's a choice, and we can choose it or we can let it go. Mm-hmm. And um, and I chose beauty, mm-hmm. and I I tried to weave into my kids. Our hearts are too beautiful a place mm-hmm. for bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. So let's pursue the redemption that we can pursue with God, and let's pray for reconciliation. Yes, 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 yes. It's beautiful. So I, I want to get in your head for just a second as far as, you know, obviously as you're walking through some of this pain, and I know you mentioned a sabbatical, and but for someone who's wanting to live out some God-given assignments, maybe it's writing, maybe it's leading, maybe it's being a mom, maybe it's starting a business, maybe it's, I mean, there's so many different ways that we're all uniquely wired and called to different things of God, but maybe they're really just struggling to stay focused. And obviously you are still leading an organization and writing a book throughout all this. 
what are some practical tips that can kind of help get someone fired up and help them just to stay laser focused on what God's calling them to do? Well, that's a big question because I think each of us has um, has our own journey, and um, I certainly have had mine. I, I will say a couple of things that have helped me as I try to stay laser-focused on the assignments that God has for me. Um, in our social media-driven world, there are lots of opinions, and there are lots of um, encouraging words, but then there's also a lot of discouragement as well, and nothing will take the wind out of your sails, then a handcrafted discouragement zinged right to the most vulnerable raw places of your heart. You know, it's it's very vulnerable to step out and do anything. Mm-hmm. Anytime you take those first steps of pursuing a dream, it's scary and you're well aware of your own inadequacies. And sometimes when criticism comes, it's almost like somebody just validated all the things you feared were true about yourself anyways. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to turn down the voices of of certain people, and you're going to have to eliminate some of the chaotic noise in your life, and you're going to have to turn up the sounds of praise music and God's word being read over you. You're going to have to get very selective with the people that are speaking into you. You want those words to be life-giving. And even if they have to give you some not really criticism, but some um, constructive thoughts of how to get better, you know that they're wrapped in love because Mm -hmm. they've given you plenty of encouragement as well. So I would say turn down the opportunities where you allow the critics to come at you and turn up the opportunities where you've got people in your life who you know are praying more words for you in this new endeavor that you're doing than they speak about you or they speak to you. And uh, turn up the praise music, turn up God's word in your life, turn down reality TV, turn down Facebook, turn down the critics, turn down, you know, the constant um, watching of TV shows, you know, turn some of those things down so you can turn the right things up. That's fabulous. Lisa, we could, man, we could just listen to you forever because of the wisdom that you have grown in and then shared with us. And all of this is gold that just blesses our hearts so much. Um, Could you share some resources that have blessed you along this journey? You mentioned praise music, maybe an amazing counselor podcast. I don't know. Just what resources could you share that would help bless us? Well, thank you for asking that because I think that's incredibly helpful. Um, First of all, I definitely have to give a shout out to my pastor, Stephen Furtick, Mm -hmm. who preaches hands down some of the best sermons on the planet. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not lost on me that God positioned me to be in his church during this season so I could listen to his sermons week after week after week. And I'm so thankful for that. I would also say uh, the praise music of Elevation Worship. Every album they put out has ministered to me deeply, and I find myself sometimes hearing the voice of God through those praise songs Mm -hmm. speaking to me so clearly and so intimately and so personally. So I definitely um, have appreciated that. Also, my good friend, Mac Brock, who came from Elevation Worship and has now just released his first single album. It's called Greater Things. And on that album, he wrote a song, a worship 
worship song called Into Dust after reading Mm. my book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And there was a chapter in there about dust. And he wrote that song based on this book. And so if there's one song I would say is the anthem Mm. for anyone going through a hard time, as you read this book, I would definitely recommend that song as well. Um, And then, of course, I have to say, making sure that you position yourself in your home church. Look at what your home church is offering. Mm. Look at what is around you. You know, if I lived in a state where Life Church was, I would certainly get under the leadership and teaching voice of Craig Groeschel. Um, obviously, Amy, I I adore the ministry that you guys have at Life Church, but God has uniquely positioned you in a place knowing the messages that are going to be given out at that church. And so get involved in your church, look at uh, what God has placed all around you mm-hmm. and um, and don't isolate. You know, the enemy knows if we isolate ourselves, that's the, in that isolation, the enemy can influence us. Mm-hmm. But the same is true. When we get in the community of God, that will influence us. And that's where we want to get our influence from. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's awesome. That's great, Lisa. Um, and we just want to know, as we wrap up, what final word of encouragement might you have for the gals listening? Just something that you really want us to hear and know and carry with us as we go about our week? Well, this week, you're probably going to experience some kind of disappointment. Maybe some of you are even experiencing some sort of desperation in your life, um, some kind of devastation that's happened or that you're still processing from your past, or you fear that that might be right around the corner. I remember when my life started to break apart, I remember thinking the old Christian saying that God can take the broken pieces of our life, glue them back together, and his light can shine through those. Those sound wonderful, but I looked around at my life and I didn't just have broken pieces. I felt as if my life had been shattered to dust and you can't glue dust. And so for anyone who's listening, who feels like their circumstances, they're walking right now, um, have been shattered beyond repair. I want you to remember this, that of all the ingredients in the world that God could have chosen to make his very favorite creation, and that was man, um, before he made man, he, he handpicked dust to breathe into. Mm. And and from that, he brought about life. So dust does not signify an end. Dust is often what must be present for the brand new to begin. God can take the dust of your shattered places and breathe new life into them, no matter what you're walking through. And I guess the last thing I would say is just remember you have a friend that while my circumstances might be different than yours, the deep, unending angst and pain is very much the same. You have a friend who understands, and I pray that I can meet you on the pages of It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. I pray I can hold your hand Mm. and get you from where you are to a hope-filled place that God wants Mm. you to be. That's such powerful truth. Lisa, we sure love you. What encouragement you are to, to us, to our listeners, to the body. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. It's such an honor to be with you guys. Well, guys, I know you were so blessed by this conversation as we were. Since recording this conversation right before the holidays, Lisa and her husband, Art, have actually renewed their vows. We are so thrilled for them, for their entire family, and we're thankful for this picture of redemption and restoration that ultimately points us all back to our gracious God. So if you're facing something difficult, please remember, God is not done. 
Well, we are giving away two copies of Lisa's book. It's not supposed to be this way. If you're not already following The Messy Table on Instagram, first do that. And then in the comments section, simply tag that woman in your life who you love, who might appreciate this book, and you'll both be entered to win. Also, there are so many ways to stay connected. You can find all the conversation notes and resources mentioned in this episode at jenjewel.com, where you can also join my personal email community and stay updated on new episodes. You can also subscribe to the podcast for free in all the usual places, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and then it magically comes straight to your phone. Well, guys, thanks again for joining us here in this imperfect space. It's always so fun when we get to hear from you. So if you would tell us what spoke to your heart, how can we be praying for your situation specifically? Honestly, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know, let us in. And remember, as you go about your week in this new year, Yes, life is messy, but make no mistake, God is at work in your mess. Mm -hmm.